0: on the news for yourself, but, but it, it's surprising because it, it seems as if we've gone backwards, um, as if it's the times of the Crusades, again, Christians versus Muslims killing each other. Right? Um, and then if you watch the news a little bit longer, uh, you'll see the next part where it starts talking about the riots going on in Missouri. Right? And it seems, again, as if we've gone backwards, uh, uh, one or two generations to the race riot. And and so it's not so much how can this happen, but maybe we're thinking, how could this happen in this day and age? But it's just a reminder as we turn on the evening news that this world is not getting any better. It's just as sinful as it has always been. And I don't think I need, you don't need to turn on the TV to know that. You have enough problems going on in your own life at times to know that life is not getting better. This world is not getting any better. You have different frustrations at work. You have frustrations at home with maybe your spouse, with your children, with with your other family members. There's sickness and death you have to deal with at times. And so when we look at this last lie that life should be easy, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't believe that. I know, in fact, the opposite, that, that life is actually very difficult for me. I know that from personal experience. You see, one of the ways that we buy into this lie that life should be easy is because we suffer from one degree to another of of envy. As we look at somebody else's life and see that it seems that they don't have the same problems we do, we think to ourselves, why do they seem to be more blessed? Why do they seem to have an easier life than we do? Maybe it's A friend of yours who talks about how he has the perfect marriage. Or uh, a family member who seems to have the perfect kids. Or you talk to somebody else who, who just speaks as if he has the perfect job where nothing ever goes wrong for him. And you wonder, why are you, does it seem to be, why are you the only one who seems to be struggling from addiction, from frustration, from stress, from family problems? And and so you look at, at your life and think, well, my life will be easy once I get my life to be more like that person. Once I can finally get married, once I can finally get a better job, once I can finally retire, then I'll have the easy life like those people. Maybe it's not even envy. Maybe it's just a desire that we have to not have to deal with the problems in our life. There's nothing wrong with that. But you see, when does it get to the point of not wanting the pain and the suffering in your life? And when you cross that line to sinful coveting or sinful envy. You see, as we've seen with all of these lies that we've looked at for these past several weeks, these things are, are things that not only affect us emotionally, but also spiritually. See, what are we really saying to God when it seems that we are not content with the life that he has given to us? What are we saying to God when we lash out in anger and frustration for the problems that are in our lives? Are we saying to him that life should be easier? Life should be better, maybe like those people have it? See, we know in our head that According to the Bible, God is all-wise and all-loving and all-powerful. But sometimes by our own words and actions, we give the impression that God is not wise. Otherwise, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen. God is not loving. Otherwise, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen to me. And God is not powerful. Otherwise, he would act like things are more in control in the world or in my life. Our topic for today is a fairly controversial point. It's a it's confusing and it seems contradictory. See, James starts out this his book by by saying not only that problems are going to come into our lives, but when they do, he says consider it pure joy. Rejoice, he says, when they come into your life. And that doesn't make any sense, does it? How can we possibly rejoice when problems come into our life. And so what I want you to do today is we look at this lesson and other lessons from Scripture. I want you to just focus in on the promises that God's Word gives to us. And ask ask yourself this question. If God's promises are true, what does that mean for my life? If God's promises are true, what does that mean for me and my emotions? So here's the first promise that we want to look at. In, in James, again, he, he's what, in this book, he sent this letter out to people, not, not to one specific congregation, but rather to many different parts, many different people. And so we have a lot of general truths. And this general truth that he starts out with starts by saying this, that many trials are going to come into your life. Many trials are going to come. It's something that he simply assumes. In other parts of scripture, it has the same promise. In Acts chapter 14 says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus himself said this, and this was the gospel reading that we read earlier. It says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So an easy life is not only something we, we simply should not expect, but the exact opposite is expected, is promised. God promises a difficult life. We should expect that there will be wars and riots and frustrations and, and suffering and pain and emotional difficulty and, and family problems and problems with their children or other family members. And not just in the world, not just for other people, but for us too. That's what we should expect. It's promised in His Word. That's the first promise. The second promise comes next, which is connected to the first one. And it says this, and I'm going to start from verse 2 in our lesson. It says this again Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He says, he says that these problems that are coming into your life, they're actually going to be for your good. They're going to strengthen you. They're going to make you stronger. They're going to make you ready for future difficulties to preserve you and and your soul. And we have, this is not the only time in Scripture where this is mentioned. There's many other times in the Bible where God promises us that things are going to work out for our good and good times are in bad. In the book of Jeremiah, what he says there, he has one one phrase that many of you are probably familiar with, but just as important as the words are the context in which it was written. And it was written to... People of Judah, after the Babylonians had come in and destroyed their country and they were being led off into captivity into a foreign country, they were ripped away from their homeland, their families were torn apart, and God has the gall to say this to them. He says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. How could God tell them at that point, at the worst point in their life, that everything's going to be fine, everything's working out just as he had planned? The only way he could say that is if it was true. Some of you might be familiar with what it says in Romans. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. good times or bad times, God is going to work things out for our good and for the good of God's kingdom. And think also of our first scripture reading that we read for today as well, Joseph. You think about what happened in the past life of Joseph so that he could finally share those words with us. He was betrayed by his own brothers. Worse than that, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He sat in prison for literally years for a crime that he did not commit. And yet after it was all said and done, he says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God promises every time that it's going to turn into good, whether we see it or feel it or not. See, here is the point where the head knowledge of these promises has a hard time relating with our own emotions and feelings. God says that problems are going to come. But he says that when problems come, don't worry, because it's going to work out for your good. See, how can we rejoice when we know about the persecution that's going on in another country? How can we rejoice when there are riots going on in our own country? How can we rejoice when problems come and affect us personally? Problems at work, problems at home. How can we rejoice when those happen? See, what we are looking at today and considering is a teaching of the Bible that's called the theology of the cross. And it's a seemingly contradictory and even at times confusing teaching of the Bible. It's basically saying that God wants everything to work out for your good, but sometimes in order for that good to happen, there needs to be pain and difficulty in your life. And that's not something that we always agree with. We see it; o- it only can make sense. When we look first and foremost not at the crosses in our life, but at the cross first and foremost where Christ hung on. See, even in the gospel reading for today, you heard how people were confused when Jesus said that He was going to go to the cross and suffer. And if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. Why would the all-powerful God, the creator of the universe, possibly go to the cross? Why would he go through that unimaginable pain and torment? But that's what he did. He went to the cross, took on all of your sins, and he allowed God to punish him rather than you for everything that you did in your life. But you see, he was willing to endure an unimaginable pain but temporary pain, so that he could be with you permanently. And when we see that, then it starts to make sense. Where even though we have difficulties in your life, and I don't mean by any means to belittle the problems that you have in your life, but we can say that through what Jesus did, through the promises that found in Scripture, the worst pain and suffering that we could have gone through is gone. We do not ever have to worry about pain for our own sin. We do not ever have to worry about the pain and torment of hell because of what our Savior did for us. That's reason to rejoice. And what does that mean for your sufferings and problems right now? It means that as you go through difficulty in your life, you never have to think to yourself that maybe God is punishing me for the things that I did in the past. No, because he already punished, according to the promise, he already punished his son for our sins. And so what purpose could there be left for the problems in our life? The purpose is only for our good, he promises us. As he says in our lesson, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And he says that you are being made mature and complete, not lacking anything, he says. Pain that you go through does not come from anger from God, but rather from a love from God who wants the best for you. Even though we, even if we, under, whether we understand it or not isn't the point, He wants what's best for you. And so we can rejoice when problems and crosses come into our own lives. And maybe we won't rejoice with. Shouts of joy when we lose our job. Maybe we won't we won't force a smile on our face when we get a bad diagnosis from the doctor. But we always have reason to rejoice, even in the midst of our difficulties. We can rejoice that our God doesn't want us to be comfortable in this life. Because He's preparing us for an eternity. We can rejoice that our Heavenly Father loves us enough to discipline us, just like an earthly father would do, to prepare us for more difficult times in the future. We can rejoice that God can turn even the sinful things in this, wor- in this world into our good and for the good of his kingdom. And we can rejoice that God can even twist and turn the mistakes that you've made into, your, into good for you. We can rejoice that because our God has shown us that rest for our souls is found only in Him and not in outward circumstances. And so when I was when I was growing up, I, I wasn't always the perfect angel. And I remember in my teenage years that there were times when I just didn't understand my parents. I didn't understand what they wanted from me. It seems like everything that they said was for my good. It didn't seem like good at all. And if any of you have teenagers or children or have worked with teenagers, you know that their minds just don't think right. They think they know it all, don't they? That's what I was like, and I'm sure that's what maybe a lot of you were like too. And so when we are called children of God, think about one aspect of what that means. It doesn't matter how old you are, you're still children of God. Because we have a Heavenly Father who is far more wise and far more loving than we are, who knows what's for our good, whether we know it and understand it or not. So I want to close today with this illustration. Imagine that there are two trees that are planted. One's planted right next to a river, and the other one is planted hundreds of yards away from the river. And that tree that's planted right next to the river, it has roots that don't have to go very deep at all. Everything that it needs is right there. It seems as if it has the easy life. And that tree that's planted hundreds of yards away from the river, it has to dig its roots deep into the ground to find moisture. Later on, there's a drought, and all the other plant life in the area seems to be dying. But that tree that's planted right next to the river, its roots don't have to go any deeper. It has everything that it needs right there. That tree that's planted hundreds of yards away, it has to dig its roots even deeper to find just enough moisture to survive. And it almost didn't survive. It seemed that it almost died. About a month after the drought, a big storm came through. Very powerful wind, and it blew one of the trees over Can you guess which tree was blown over? The one where the roots weren't very deep. See, our God, we know from the promises that our God gives to us that life will not be easy. Life is going to be difficult. He promises that. But that's not where the story ends. He promises you that even through those difficult times, he makes you stronger. Because in the end, what he's after is not just for you to have a comfortable life here for the 70 or 80 years that you live here in this world. But he wants you to be with him forever in heaven. Amen.